Hello, everybody. Welcome to Keys to ESP Episode 7. This is our set meta roundup with Team ESP. We're joined today with Cyberclone Benson. That. Dennis the Rat. Yo. Once again, the house always wins, Josh. Hello, hello, hello. And myself, Entropic Swirly John. We are Team ESP, and we are going to be discussing this round, this time around, uh, a wrap-up of our previous four episodes in terms of the set discussion. And we will be going through and discussing how each of these sets uh, play within the current meta of Keyforge, a unique card game. So first things first, let's do a little pulse check with each of our team members thus far and how they've been doing in the past week amongst the Keyforge world. Joe Dobby, Josh, how have you been with Keyforge this past week? Um, rough. Uh, the TCO, it's, it's kind of hard to get into. Uh, Keyforge is just that game that I'm really, that I'd really prefer to play in person. Um, mm -hmm. since we can't do that, you know, have to manage somehow, but, uh, unboxing videos once a week, I still do those and it still gives me kind of like that, that hope that we'll eventually get to visit our locals and enjoy again. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, TC Trace? How you been doing, Keyforge? Open, crack more packs? Open up more stuff? No, actually, I haven't. It's been surprising. Um, I went to look at my uh, Dexter Keyforge account, and the last time I uploaded a deck from, like, fresh from the box was November 1st. I was about 19 days from now, from then, and it's been literally the longest since I've opened any deck. Um, as far as any Keyforge stuff that I did this week, I was just selling decks. Went through, uh, like, 2,000 decks to try to find decks that I was selling, so that's going to be shipped out tomorrow. Nice. How about you, Cyberclone Benson? How you doing with Keyforge in your life? Doing all right. Little sparse as well. Um, closest thing was watching DC Trays get his reps in on TCO. Uh, well, just one game really. He can share more details if he like. But uh, yeah, there's there's some issues around that that we've all kind of encountered. Uh, a little bit of the bad instead of all the good that TCO does bring in terms of access to the game. Uh, and otherwise, I did open another box, uh, did a recording, uh, just finishing up some edits there. And you'll see my opening of a Deucilis deck. So that's going to be exciting. Awesome. As for myself, I've been going uh, through my old decks, just kind of reminiscing the good old days. Haven't been doing a whole lot, but uh, looking through cards, kind of thinking up uh, new stuff to talk about with Keyforge, and of course, to bring to our listeners some interesting thoughts, discussions for these sets that we've been discussing so far. Alrighty, so let's jump right in. Um, before we even go into a set meta roundup, I would like to just recap each of the sets and for our listeners, just a, a quick reminder, maybe about a minute each, uh, of each of the sets that we did discuss thus far and the discussion that was had. Uh, and then from there, that can launch us off into uh, a few questions and just to understand uh, at least our points of view of where each set stands or perhaps how each set stands 
within the current meta of a four set uh, Keyforge. So first off, uh, of course, it was Call of the Archons, the red box. Um, we drew straws here. So Dennis, uh, you want to give us a quick recap on uh, Call of the Archons? All right. So what we covered in Call of the Archons was Shadows was the best house. Second set, <laughs> second house was close to, I think it was Untamed, as far as I remember. Um, the meta was not using the board. Um, a lot of the archetypes that uh, Kodai's Call of the Archons is based around is Rush Ducks. So pips, either generation or cycling through and then generate. There's also Big Steals. Um, what else? Just a bunch of no board and rushing. That's what the best thing that Coda does. And we talked about the erratas. A couple of big erratas that happened, which was documented. And we talked about it in a big section of our podcast episode there. Cool. Awesome. So next set uh, after the red box was the blue box, the Age of Ascension. Josh's uh, first set. Josh, you want to give us a recap of uh, how that discussion went? Hey, blue box. Um, so uh, Age of Ascension revolved around, well, Age of Ascension was the introduction of a more board-based style uh, of play. Um, it basically kind of made for an added layer of decision-making and interactions between the cards on the board. Uh, a lot of prevention from uh, of, of things like reaping. Uh, a lot of uh, capturing has been introduced into the set. And um, I guess we also kind of discussed the, the, the general comments uh, from the community with regards to how underpowered the set was compared to other sets all the way up till now. And that um, the most competitive decks uh, were basically the 1% cream of the crop major combos that we discussed like Jenka and, uh, you know, and Brig. Um, but yeah, feel free to listen to the previous AOA episode if you guys are interested in hearing about those combos. Cool, cool. And uh, Benson, uh, you got Worlds Collide, the purple box, the sexiest yep. box, some would say. <laughs> purple is a great color. Um, so Worlds Collide took uh, what AOA brought to the table and I think took it up to the next level. Uh, they introduced two new houses, Saurians and Starlines, replacing uh, the Mars and Sanctum uh, at the time, and uh, brought in a few new mechanics as well, including Exalt, Enrage, Warding, and they took uh, Purging to another level as well. So we talked a lot about those aspects. The meta was against uh, more board focused, starting with AOA's introduction, and then Worlds Collide again uh, further to that point. Um, and also was very combo heavy. Uh, I think we discussed that in Call of the Archons as well, um, in terms of the base uh, combos there. Uh, one of them in AOA, and Worlds Collide had that much more potential for combos as well. They also introduced leaders. Um, as a key word, a trait, um, uh, each house had their own leader. And further introductions of more uh, key cheating in various forms, whether actions or artifacts, uh, that was brought to every other house in addition to uh, what was already in existence 
in previous sets. Cool. All right. And of course, the most recent set, which is, I guess you called the black box <laughs> mass mutation with the giant uh, Niffle Kong or giant ape on there. Uh, that this most recent introduction of the set did bring uh, bring back Sanctum and removed Brobnar. Uh, so there was another change in the overall seven houses that were uh, highlighted and featured in this set. Um, but most notably, this included uh, in the set uh, something with giant cards, which uh, creatures that uh, span two cards. Um, furthering the um, uniqueness of the game and making every single card potentially unique to an, in and of itself is the enhancements that was introduced uh, with algorithmically generated sets. Um, and then, of course, each house had their own um, specific kind of uh, specialty. Um, one we discussed in detail was Dis and the Sins, um, but of course there was a lot more... Um, other uh, specialties that were introduced in this, such as mutants, uh, have a huge um, a huge emphasis on mutants and the trait itself of the mutant, uh, and various ways um, to steal, uh, to capture, to uh, of course all the goodness from uh, of uh, capturing, but less of the warding that was in the previous set. Um, but all the it still builds upon all the previous introduced uh, um, items with with even more. Um, so that that is the four sets in a hopefully a quick recap. Um, and going on from here, let's open the floor. Let's open the floor. What do you guys want to discuss about? Like first off, this is going to be a meta discussion. Where do you think each of these these sets stand? Just off the grid off the cuff um i mean i feel like a lot of people will say coda still runs the gamut um but any of you guys disagree on that and say that another set can easily outrun coda all right i'll, I'll start uh sorry um personally ranking wise i think it goes from the best best set meaning most powerful set to the least powers, powerful, powerful set. I'll go Worlds Collide, Mass Mutation, Call of the Archons, and AOA. The reason why I said Worlds Collide is because the involvement of stealing from Worlds Collide, oh, from the first three set to the fourth, it's really big, in my opinion at least, just because a lot of the board-based stuff in the fourth, fourth set can easily be wiped by the third set or below. So the things that fourth set can do, third set can mitigate it. And then if you can't mitigate it, you can still get a good big swing of amber by having the cards that can steal big, which fourth set to me is missing. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I've, um, anybody else have counter to that is worlds collide the best in my list um slight different organization um top of my list is going to be mass mutations uh second is actually going to be a really close more or less tie between coda and worlds collide and last place is aoa unfortunately 
Um, so I do see where Dennis is coming from um, in terms of his measure of uh, his tier order. Uh, for me, I from my experience in playing these sets, I've seen mass mutations do a lot of what the third set was good at. Um, the shift is in terms of which houses I preferred and what cards really stacked up in those houses. So um, to kind of put into perspective, in Worlds Collide, the strongest set, uh, house essentially, we think, I think we came to a conclusion that Saurians was more or less the strongest house in Worlds Collide. And so a lot of uh, the play, and, and uh, it's all based around what that set is good with. And then the rest have their own supporting roles. And I will add in Worlds Collide, uh, the purge mechanic that was further enhanced uh, was very good. Now, uh, we see those traits in Mass Mutations as well, uh, from my perspective in Dis, uh, in terms of the purging mechanic. In Furnaces, I've actually seen more of in this set than in Worlds Collide, uh, but that's just my personal experience, so I don't know if that's actually true. Um, and then, w because Untamed is my favorite house, um, in terms of gearing towards my own playstyle, Mass Mutations is a better fit, as I do see the Untamed in Mass Mutations as very powerful in and of itself, like how Saurians was powerful in set three um so with that in mind like uh, there's a lot of anti-steel function that came in originally in worlds collide in the form of like discombobulator odoak the patrician uh but in set four we have a com like another common cephalois in untamed uh within the house that rushes so it protects your amber while you're rushing up and that's perfect um there's a few i think a few other anti-steel components as well that were introduced in mass mutations that further kind of um, counters the Call of the Archon's approach to uh, rush and amber control together, uh, whereas the pure rush is not so affected by that. Um, so looking at between Call of the Archons and Worlds Collide, uh, it's close because one is built around speed and running and generating. The other is uh, a lot more control-based from my perspective. Um, like it has its own way of running, but it's a bit different. Uh, I see like a key cost control and things like that that was introduced a bit more in Worlds Collide 2, which I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, but that also exists in set four, but I think a kind of a lower or pullback scale compared to Worlds Collide. So the key cost control, once it's in place, that can really hold down that rush deck that is trying to key cheat its way to victory because they're making them pay that much more. Um, but if it's not set up yet, and the, that deck runs fast enough and gets to every, everything it needs to to forge three keys before you can even land to put everything you need to hold them down with, then it's going to jump ahead of the race and finish before it even starts kind of thing. So uh, Coda definitely still has its place in their top. Um, but again, like it's all very situational. It's almost like luck of the draw. So in this way, I think it's really good for the game in that it's very balanced. Regardless of what approach you use, there is no best approach. There is no best deck. It's more of what will you come across and how best can you uh, focus on your strengths of your deck to counter what the opponent might and to uh, answer back for when the opponent throws things at you. So, um, yeah, like all in all, that's my tier list. Mass Mutations up top, Coda with Worlds Collide in second place together, and coming in with the rear is uh, Age of Ascension. Mm. Josh, uh, where where do you stand on this then? Yeah, are you, are you AOA all the way? 
No, no, no. I actually, <laughs> I actually think mass mutation is top for me. I do agree with Benson on that front. Um, and the reason really is, in addition to the enhancements, um, the card design has switched from big swings to incremental momentum building uh, card design, where you are stealing here and there, you're capturing here and there, you're generating here and there, you're archiving here and there, et cetera, et cetera. Now, why I think this is so important is because when you are playing a game that that's main kind of mantra is play as much or do as much as you can, these little things add up. These little things build momentum and consistency, which is something that might not be so easily handled by a Coda deck in a, certain, in a way that I guess uh, Dennis mentioned or DC Trey's mentioned. Because if you are archiving that much more, if you are purging that much more, if you are capturing that much more, um, and that often, you might get to your key before your opponent gets to draw a board wipe, right? Board wipes are mandatory in Coda in order to survive uh, in the next three sets. And generally speaking, Coda cards are efficient. Uh, Coda card, Coda decks, top Coda decks are, wa- are going to want to be as efficient as they can. So they're not going to carry as many removal as, 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 you know, as there is in Mass Mutation. Mass Mutation, some cards that, that will wipe a board will also give you three Ember first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or let you draw two, two more cards. And I think in terms of progression towards a win condition, um, you're more consistent with sticking to Mass Mutation um, because of those reasons. Now, Worlds Collide and Mass Mutation are very, very competitive uh, together, which is why I like that. Um, I would say that, I guess, Mass Mutation and then Worlds Collide a step below, um, because Worlds Collide has the swingy cards, like, too much to protect, which can really take down a Mass Mutation deck, but also has warding and things that would protect uh, itself. Um, AOA at the bottom, I have to agree with you guys, but that's my two cents on Mass Mutation versus Coda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it does make a lot of sense um, it, to a certain extent where if we just look at the history of Heforge and how it was developed, um, uh, I understand that AOA and Coda were technically developed together, and um, for whatever reason, Call of the Archons became the first set that mm-hmm. was actually published, but I believe in the timeline of production or from what i've heard in the history is that age of ascension could have easily been the first set i remember um, hearing that, that too. Was pu- yeah. could have been published um but we can see definitely that um once since these the first two sets of coda and aoa um were released uh, i think the publishers made a switch because they did realize um how important stealing was and how big stealing and shadows how much of a meta it it, it took hold of where shadows and stealing kind of ran the gamut. Um, and then also the action cards, I think was a huge thing. And then uh, in worlds collide and mass mutation, you could see the uh, game actually continuing with more focus on creatures and the board. So I think because based on the trends where, you know, well, there are four cards, like four types of cards, right? There's upgrades, creatures, artifacts, and um, actions. Those are the four types of cards where actions become 
less prevalent uh, or less powerful in that sense um, over the last two sets. I think that with the focus more on board control, it generates to the fact that worlds collide and mass mutation would take a higher uh, a higher step in terms of uh, more focus and and more streamlined in terms of actually playing what Keyforge is supposed to be. Of course, there are these outliers though where we have a situation with artifacts that can cause all sorts of havoc, such as what we discussed in for Worlds Collide, the Quixel Stone, right? Or, or cards that uh, fundamentally change the game of Keyforge to a certain extent when it does come down um, and causes huge issues for many people who haven't experienced it or um, perhaps don't have an answer to a specific artifact. Um, I, I feel like that's still there. But overall, I would say that, you know, I would assume either Worlds Collide or Mass Mutation. Um, I think that's almost a dead even heat just because of the nuances within those sets. Um, they can definitely swing either way. Does anybody, I, I guess we, we all agree that AOA unfortunately is bottom. Um, and we do say that uh, Worlds Collide, Mass Mutation are probably up top there. Uh, that's what it seems like. Um, my question is, though, is it based off of the overall average that you're looking at, or are you looking at the top cards from each of the sets? Because, of course, finding a top-tier deck is questionable at most. But if you take an average of each of the, of the sets, does that change the way in terms of the meta you would hit? Of course... Uh, granted, you know, if you go into an Archon competition, you're not taking the mediocre set. But if you're playing a sealed, would that change? If you had four decks in front of you, blue, red, purple, black, which one would you reach for for a sealed, if you were going to sealed? Um, I'll jump in. So if I were to go for a four-set sealed where I pick one set, uh, one deck from that set, I would still go Mass Mutation. Um, and the reason why is because without any idea of what the deck list would look like, I would know that you would have at least a few more enhancements um, in your mass mutation. And I think that is the limiting factor in the other three sets is that lack thereof. Um, having enhancements to me in a sealed is nice because it's, it's free progression towards your win condition, right? You, you literally don't need to <laughs> you don't well, need also, to look yeah, for it. Guess... you know it's there and it progresses you towards your win condition um even before you figured out what that win condition is right from looking at the deck list and even if you didn't have any uh enhancements in that mass mutation deck you would still have superior i guess in my opinion uh multiple avenues that you can use to handle someone's, like, to respond to someone's um, board state as you progress to your win condition. There's more tools involved. Cool. Dennis, how about you? Which one would you reach for? I can see where Josh is coming from. Um, that's the... I'll, I'll get to answering your question in a second. Um, Mass Mutation does have that advantage of having an enhancement because the first three sets doesn't have that on a sealed environment. The enhancements, enhancements could actually just by itself get you the wins, because let's say you have a lot of pips and they don't have they don't have that big Amber control swing on the game, 
Maybe it's at the bottom of the deck, in the middle of the deck, and you just rush out. I would probably still reach for Worlds Collide, just because the board state and Worlds Collide can hold down pretty much all the sets so far. And depends on what I get. Let's just let's assume that I would get a Saurian deck. One out of what seven houses would be a Saurian deck. I think you could on a sealed on a sealed environment it can hold it down. Let's say all the decks are average, they're all equal. I think you can still do a lot more stuff with Worlds Collide. And like Josh mentioned, the wording. It has the potential to stay on the board longer. And it can have a wipe too. I think Worlds Collide can hold itself between all different sets. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Benson? I'm still trying to think of an answer that I can go with. But honestly, I couldn't I couldn't say. Um Just all go the, for the like actually though uh no 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 um overall i have to lean away from aoa unfortunately but the other three i don't think there's a clear-cut answer for me so everything uh josh and dennis pointed out is is on point and i agree with uh as for reasons why to choose what they chose from my experience from unboxing and mine like pales in comparison to dennis's so i kind of like listen to what he has to say a little bit more just because of that. Yeah, but there's My... sealed environment, man. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. From from opening uh, the decks in Mass Mutation, right? Like, so when we look at the top tier decks from each set and we compare those, I would say I'd lean easily towards Mass Mutation or Worlds Collide. Taking it from a seal perspective and from, like, my experience of unboxing, um, I'm not so sure. So, point point being like uh what josh brought up in terms of the enhancements yes but there are decks that have zero enhancements and those kind of feel bad for the for mass mutation you kind of want to get the enhancements and they do deliver a lot of value um not to say that if you have a deck without any enhancements it's going to be weak uh, i think that uh the value is just down inherently within individual cards versus uh and with enhancements it can get placed in other cards and therefore create exponential value depending on if it's a right fit for that enhancement um worlds collide you can get a stacked like saurians in general if you pick up that house in your deck just help carry the deck overall so that that is a reason for me to kind of try to pull for worlds collide just thinking back like just the average deck between all the op play that we've had experience with uh coda definitely is a higher rank than aoa but I'm trying to really recall what I pulled and how it felt uh, in comparison to the quote-unquote average deck of uh, Worlds Collide and Mass Mutation. So, yeah, like I, uh, I'll just, I'll just for the sake of giving an answer, say Mass Mutation because it's my favorite set right now. But I am having uh, some difficulty concretely choosing in that situation what would i actually go for wow no one no one said coda interesting interesting but i said coda mass mutation and worlds collide i'm like stuck between just not aoa well for that i'm just gonna say i'm gonna take the aoa box but require (laughs) all my opponents to have start off with six chains (laughs) (laughs) i mean that i I would play it i'll play it for fun right 
I mean, yeah. whatever's left. Um, but yeah, no, I think Josh bringing up enhancements right off the bat, what I wanted to comment was, um, I mean, if it was a sealed environment, to a certain extent, I think having enhancements is a great idea, but we still haven't seen an official term in play how the enhancements work, whether or not, mm. um, well, I guess it's sealed, you won't even know, right? So that that's like additional thing you can hide or potentially, you know, play off of uh, as an unknown factor i think and i feel like that kind of skews mass mutation to a more if you had like a four house or a four set sorry a four set um sealed environment i think with mass mutation just because that one additional type of kind of hidden information that you can keep from your opponent i think would throw that almost to a certain extent unfair (laughs) like additional advantage kind of thing you can get um with the enhancements um Right, because like anything, you could you could just talk it up, and if you open a deck with no enhancements, you just yep. act like you have enhancements on every card. <laughs> yep. Right. Um, so I I feel like mass mutation itself might have an uppercut there, uh, just in terms of like hidden information wise. Um, but I feel kind of sad that no one picked the blue box. But if I was going in to to win. I guess I wouldn't be picking that blue box either unless I got... Okay, admittedly, admittedly, there's still that little bit of temptation to try to pull a Jenka deck because I still don't have one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess uh, different people, different different reasons for going into a tournament or something like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, does the... So my, I guess my question is, because of meta, and we always look at... Um, we're we're saying I guess you know the what uh, purple uh, worlds collide mass mutation coda kind of on top is do you feel like there is power creep at all or is it more of maybe power creep towards worlds collide mass mutation how does that look if there is any or is there no no power creep at all I mean let's ignore uh, Age of Ascension as anomaly set kind of thing speaking of which anomalies but. <laughs> Is there power creep? Like, are, do you feel like the newer sets will always trump the older sets to a certain extent? Uh, I feel like there is a gradual power creep. I would say that for sure. Um, if you compare the fourth set to the first set, there's definitely a power creep. The way I see it is because of the nature of Keyforge going towards a board-based game from... it. Ha- uh, first set it became actions the actions were really strong and then as the set uh set two set three set four i think it became creature all the effects went into the creatures so what i'm trying to say is that because of the action only has one card you pretty much play it it's done but if you have the creature stay on the board you can multiple like you can use its effects multiple times compared to one action card. Um, that direction is just beautiful for the game. It's a lot more enjoyable to play. It's great. And I can see why there's a power creep because let's say uh, um, this is going to be one of those take that's to the extreme. Let's say Envy and Gluttony is on the board. If you can't take it out with anything, they can literally, you can't, you're not going to have Amber on your board, on your pool, if you're the opponent. Um, let's say you take it out with a gateway to these from Coda, they can bring it back. 
So what I'm trying to say is just because the board state being more a lot more important in set four, even set three, it's uh, a lot more recyclable to use those effects. And those effects are devastating, honestly. There's a lot more cards. Like let's say the giant creature, the giant creature can build out like wipe on the other side of the board. They can take a hold of your amber, stuff like that. The board is a lot more important now and the effects are a lot more recyclable. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to do you guys think there's power creep, Josh? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean, that's just how card games work. With every set, they're going to introduce a new mechanic that is going to completely throw off another, the older sets. Um, does that mean the older sets are obsolete? No, but it does offer a lot more. Uh, I guess opportunities for the newer set to triumph over the older sets it gives you multiple avenues of a win condition versus the simpler sets that had that that came prior right like if my win condition in coda was to just play as much untamed as i can um my win condition in mass mutation would be to there'd be so many different things i could increase key costs i could purge cards i could play have a bunch of enhancements i could steal i could capture but it actually turns into steal (laughs) you know what i mean there's just so much i can do with 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 the newer sets uh versus the older ones um and that the power creep is nice that way in my opinion because it isn't a blatant like obvious like okay this set's better than coda or this set's better than any older set it's not very obvious you have to kind of dig in you have to play test and play these decks out to, to see which ones are actually better than than the others so to a certain extent then my question to follow up with that because keyforge was is advertised as a game where you know you take a deck and it is an evergreen right to a certain extent you can take any deck against uh, from any set against any other deck from any set is that a flawed kind of concept then to a certain extent because if there if there is the the question i guess it's almost like a chicken and egg question right where if there is no power creep you can't have this kind of uh puzzle that you're talking about right josh but if there is power creep then the evergreen aspect of the game isn't necessarily there. So I think like, I, I agree with Josh completely in terms of like, yes, there's a power creep, but it's a uh, very hard, like not hard to notice, but like it's not as noticeable as you would think uh, for an advancement of the game with new sets. Uh, the main thing of introductions of enhancements, I think that changes things up a lot and the potential for that power creep to be a greater uh, improvement than a previous set is uh, greater in that in the randomness of that enhancement factor. Um, whereas I still to this point like it like I said earlier it's kind of like a rock paper scissors you don't know what you're kind of face up against. And at the top tier yes we have like a kind of meta right um, where you know you need to have like a toolkitty deck to to respond to various things. Or are you of the mindset where uh, you want to be a master of speed and generation and then you go coda, you just run and get three keys before the opponent can get their blockers in place, then you win before that happens. 
But if you don't win before that happens, then you're probably going to lose. Or uh, you go for the toolkit and it's like, then it's like a lot of back and forth. And you try to answer when they play something, set something up so you can do this at this point in time in the game. So it becomes a, bo- a bit more tactical than... And depending uh, on like how your approach is with strategy, it could be very simple in terms of a rush deck, or a slightly more com- complicated with a combo deck and things like that. So like I think the game is evergreen. Uh, to your second question, uh, yeah, like it kind of does seem um, oppositional in terms of uh, having a power creep and then the evergreenness of a game. Um, but I think the implementation within Keyforge has been very good and there are like yeah you could really hit a deck from any set against any other set and still have a great time with and potentially a competitive game with uh depending on what you have um inherently we choose uh the later sets to go with because of the potential that all these new uh tools come as they come in with with the enhancement with uh more purging options with other like versions of previously seen tools um but the trident, the the original heart of Keyforge is still a race to three keys, and you can't say Coda doesn't do that well. Um, so it's a a different method, and yeah, like within Coda, just to kind of almost backtrack to the previous topic, but um, I do see like a lot of um focus on one attribute of a deck in Coda decks, where uh, like the typical rush deck, super high Ember generation lot lower of amber control uh speed is questionable and so on and so forth like these different characteristics it seems like in coda it's very much focused or heavy on one aspect and then you're weak in the rest whereas um mass mutations we're seeing a bit more heavy on one but not as weak in the others which gives it that power creep but it's not that noticeable in that like the truly fastest decks in coda can still potentially outperform the fastest decks in um, mass mutations and, and other sets, uh, at least from what I've seen. But again, I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen all the top t- highest ranked decks or highest performing decks because we haven't seen any uh, tournament play in the last year. But yeah, like so that's where I stand. And and like yes, I agree. There's a bit of power creep, not too noticeable. And within with in terms of it being evergreen, I still think it is uh, at least so far. We don't know how much of a power creep the new stuff might bring with uh, like uh, Dark Tidings. And I think there's a lot of focus around evil twins and exhaustion and how that's going to play into things. I just want to interrupt. And I just want to say that like when you mean by evergreen, you're you're thinking that like, is that term like in relation inversely related to like power creep? Is that what you're trying to get at? No, no, no. And evergreen, like, the way it was advertised with Keyforge when it was first announced is that um, in regular play, game night play, um, maybe even Vault Tours, there you can take any deck that will be ever be released, um, which any set versus any other set. Like the only time that would not be would be in the Vault Warrior series or something where they did like a house let house set lock kind of thing. So I'm just saying that you know. Um, the idea of Keyforge is advertised saying that, you know, you can take a third set deck against a second set deck against the first set deck at any given time, effectively. Um, that was the as advertised kind of thing where they will never get cycled out. 
Okay, so I want to say that fundamentally, it's sound. Like, technically, you can just grab any deck against any deck. Um, your enjoyment level, I don't know <laughs> where that would fall. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying, yes, right? I, yeah. I think generally, like, if you look at, if you look at, if you if you try to examine power creep in a game like this, where it is adver- as advertised in Evergreen, you would notice that power creep as a, across the set as a whole but when you're bringing top tier competitive decks i think that's where the best of the best of each set will shine and it'll all fall down to who shines first like what comes out before your opponent's uh other set comes out uh as far as like the cards in the place and 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 I think that's where we will like that's where power creep becomes a little bit blurry when you get to the top tier decks, um, because all of them have a specific win condition that isn't necessarily uh, that that is probably specific to that set, right? So that's where the difference is, I think. Um, but across the, a whole, um, there is a slight power creep in the in the layers added and 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 the mechanics added into the new sets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I just want to jump in on that. Um, let's just. I just want to begin with. We don't have as much. I personally like. I don't want to speak for everybody else. Let's say I don't have specific. Like I don't have as much experience pinning four sets against the other three sets. Uh, I I had quite a bit of experience from set one to set three, and we can. I can definitely say that. All three of them can compete with each other, but bringing the fourth set, I'm not sure exactly how how it's gonna affect the all four sets together. What I'm trying to say is like the meta hasn't been laid down on what to bring on fourth set because of the fourth set being implemented with the enhancements. We I don't know yet where Coda would fall, Wordless Sky would fall, AOA would fall. What I'm trying yeah, to say, yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot of OP play at all, right? Exactly. Especially with the with the four sets, so there's not much information we can all. It's all this is almost speculation. <laughs> exactly, it's definitely a speculation. So let let me begin with that. What we're trying to say is just because of the power creep or like the things that the new mechanics introduce in mass mutation. It's it's like almost like, oh, I have a new toy. It's shinier than the old one, so it looks like it's good. But as Josh mentioned, as Benson mentioned, as John mentioned, the top, top, top tier decks, they can still run against the uh, the fourth set. We're not saying I'm not saying that the fourth set is the best. It just it just seems like there's a lot more things you can do, a lot more powerful things you can do. But if you face it against a top tier first set deck, it's not gonna be far. It's not gonna be one is gonna outshine the other by a lot. It's still going to be a close game. That's the beauty of Keyforge, though. Like, the variance of the game, the things you can draw. No no two games is going to be the same. Every game is going to be different. And the top-tier decks is probably going to be still super close games. Super close games. No one's not going to blow out the other. Unless you have bad draws. Like, because of the variance. And the meta isn't set yet. It looks like one can... I can speculate there's going to be a lot of Infernuses. Maybe there is, because... I've opened a lot of triple infernuses deck. Are they good? Some of them are, some of them are not. So there has things hasn't been laid down and there's not a lot of 
OP player. We don't know yet. Fair. So, all right. I mean, I feel like it's very, as we mentioned, it is very currently a speculative kind of scene. And effectively, I don't think anybody will be going into a tournament that I just proposed where you would have all four sets available and just grab a set and play sealed kind of thing. That would be fun, though. Not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah. now my question is, if you go into what would be your preferred method now if all four sets were available? Would it be... Oh, something we've seen with like survival, perhaps oh, oh, where you have your where all three decks must be different. I mean, there's people experimenting right online and and these different uh, online events, but I'm just thinking the most generic thing would the best be you get four decks, one from each set, and you play survival. Oh, right. All right, I want to jump in on this right away, just because. I've always thought in every single tournament, the format really changes the game. Um, I'm a fan of best of three, any other format. Not like, let's say best of three in one Archon, best of three in Adaptive, or Triad. I've, I've always been a fan of that because it eliminates a lot of the variance. My point is, if you give me a format that you have to bring like three or four different sets, I would enjoy it a lot more than just one set. Um, as John said, survival four decks, maybe even survival three decks. I would love to have like a different set from different decks from each set, just because it makes it more enjoyable, and you get to play all three sets. Not one is pushed out the other. Not gonna lie, maybe AO, people won't bring AOA. As much as we're hating on AOA, I don't know. I'm not saying. Or you just, or, or you see someone picks AOA and you're like, dude, that thing got Jenga. Exactly. <laughs> so because of the combo heavy of AOA, it still has a potential. Like I think the most latest Vulture, like was it in Albany? Anyway, in Albany there was a top four or top eight AOA deck. It still has a potential. And it, it wasn't Jenga. It was. It wasn't Jenga. So point is, it still depends on the deck. But I really, really love the series, like the series game, like best of three different decks rather than one deck and you're eliminated. It's not as fun for me. Hmm. But I, I feel like we're going to have a problem when, when they release more sets and you jump into <laughs> like six sets out. You get a six set survival. You're like, oh, my God, <laughs> there forever. Yeah. Long but I think, I think in OP, though, they're rotating it. So maybe casual play if you're doing all the sets. It's uh, I don't but... know if they're doing the rotation. Based oh, on my, what I understand, the only rotation that's coming through is for Vault, Vault Warrior. Warrior. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we'll yeah, see what happens. True. I mean, OP yeah. can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, true. But I just want Dark Tidings. I just I feel like I feel like we've unfortunately run the clock out of mass mutation because we haven't managed to play it. So I do want to play it more, but at the same time, it's kind of I'm already hyped for mm. what they've spoiled with regards to Dark Tidings, mm. which isn't much. <laughs> it isn't, but it's it's kind of enough for me. Like the evil twin decks, I want to get one of those. You know, I'll start posting my deck. Be like, where's my twin, bro? Like, <laughs> I want to hop into what Josh said. Sorry, I'll be real quick here. Um, it's kind of unfortunate that we're in the state of the pandemic. Like, honestly, sealed mass mutation would have been so fun to play. Honestly, let let's say, imagine. Yeah, I agree. 
we're playing and somebody throws down like all this all the enhancement in one card and we're just gonna be like yo what the heck i think i'm gonna be better than an anomaly not gonna lie so yeah. I, I i really love the enhancement mechanic in mass mutation sealed that would be so much fun so out of these mechanics since you did bring it up dennis which mechanic do you think i'm asking to all the guys here which mechanic do you think is the most viable for the meta at this point in time i've given this some thought so i'll go ahead and talk about it first <laughs> and i believe it's the traits i feel like cards that mess with traits are king An example harvest time in tropic swirl you call these things that people don't expect and you can wipe things off the board i think especially with mass mutation um we briefly talked about this uh, uh, before the episode started with Krizap. Kills all mutants. It can be devastating in a mass mutation set. If you don't have any mutants and your opponent has all of them. <laughs> so, and I feel like it's something that uh, for sure Keyforge can play into with a future set. Um, but based on how minis- minimal amount of cards that actually look at traits, a lot of people are not focusing on this. And I think that the trait aspect mechanic, just cards that reference, like call a trait, do something to it, I think that is very powerful. Of course, there's other things too, Mercury and whatnot, but I'll let you guys take your pick on what other mechanic you think works the best. <laughs> Anybody else want to jump in on a specific mechanic you think works the best in the meta anybody ready to go i think i'm pretty ready to go yeah go for it dennis go for it okay okay Make i sure. want to just i want to just say i want to comment first on what john said this guy's trying to pl- fly under the radar honestly because like you mentioned there's not a lot of things that mess with the traits and then he pulls out his harvest time and he's like yo what that and then you start looking at the board it's like what what's what's the traits on my on my creature so his traits are yours like stuff like that, he's trying to fly under your radar. It's great though, honestly. I feel I really feel like the developers are gonna go to that route because there's not a lot of stuff that messes with traits right now. So it will happen. I, I can already see it. It's like a foreshadowing thing. For me, I still think warding still warding. There's a reason why there's not a lot of warding happening in mass mutation. I'm still sticking in worlds collide because I feel like it's to me it's the best set even though it doesn't have enhancements. Because of the commonality of warding in Worlds Collide, it's it's ridiculous. Sometimes you have to waste a lot of resources, like let's say two cards to just try to wipe the board if everything's like... You might need two gateway to these, and that's going to give you six chains just to wipe like a board. You see what I'm or doing? you just get a gateway with three oh. damage pips. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I still think warding... I'm so surprised that warding really got lower in mass mutation. It's true though, yeah. It's a good, it's a good mechanic. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. If warding was a lot more common in mass mutation, imagine warding a Faust. Imagine warding like uh, Soren Egg because you can keep playing it, destroy it, and then there's a ward on it. It doesn't get destroyed. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine warding giants. Like mm-hmm. it's easy to take out giants now in mass mutation because. Stuff that purges it. Imagine warding it more. It's like Senator Brackus. Anyway, I'm really hyped with the Saurian thing, but warding to me is the strongest mechanic right now. Cool. I mean, it was more 
uh, yeah, a bit more common in Worlds Collide because it was in a bunch of different houses. I think uh, Saurians still carry, like, obviously defense initiative and things like that, that ward in set 4. Uh, but I think it was decreased in the though. other houses, right? Mm -hmm. That's the main part. Yeah. How about you, Benson? What's your, what, what do you feel like in the meta would be the best mechanic right now? Um, Purge has always had a special <laughs> place <laughs> because um, there's not much of an answer you ha can have for Purge mechanics. Uh, well, once one card. Yeah, one card, universal <laughs> recycling bin. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, good luck. You have that one artifact in your deck and good luck being able Eaton's to play jar. it with, with Eaton's Jar or like Eaton's other jar. things. Uh, yeah, so there's definitely answers for it to prevent it from happening or to, yeah, like that one card that can bring stuff back. But overall, there isn't a way to really access those things afterwards. So once something's purged, that changes things. At least for the player for which that card is uh, a part of their deck. Um, you may lose an answer to something. You may, like, especially depends on uh, which form that purge comes in. If it's purged off the board, then, okay, you can kind of see it coming uh, in an Archon setting, right? Um, or if you have, like, uh, the one that purges from the deck. The ones that purge from the hand. Yeah, you don't get to utilize the card before it's even purged. and a key key attribute to your deck could be gone. Uh, depending on what kind of decks you have, obviously. So, like, these days we're looking at some things that are more consistent, not necessarily heavily relying on one combo, one card. So it's not going to be too impactful, but over time, it can get very impactful. Mm. Um, so uh, we had a few games in the past where we, like, kind of uh, pitted a rush deck versus a control deck. We've had two control decks face off against each other, <laughs> and in the situation where we did and had no time limit, the one with Purge would win. Because right. in the long run, that's going to give value to that deck, right? Um, in two decks, with both with Purge, it's like, who's going to get who's Infernus first? Right. <laughs> kind of thing, uh -huh. right? Um, so, like, once that happens, then that tool is gone. And when that happens, it's a huge shift in, the, in that particular match. And I think that that's why it's so powerful. Okay. And Josh, how about you? What's your uh what's your meta defining mechanic? Um it's it's hard to say. Like I think my meta defining mechanic should be simply this generation. Like you're not gonna win if you don't generate gambling den. Right? But <laughs> yeah, gambling den. Personally, <laughs> yeah, my meta defining mechanic um, I don't even know how to answer that question. There's just so many ways to win a game. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's only one way to win a game. Well, there's only <laughs> there's 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 one way to win a game. Get three keys, but there's so many ways to get there, mm -hmm. right? And it's hard to just pick one. Like, it's gonna come down to the deck for me. And it's actually for me, I. I kind of like study, I, I figure out what people are going to, what, what I expect people to bring and I find a way or, and I pick a deck that goes, that, that tries to, to beat that, you know? So I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, I, I think through this discussion, we've realized, you know, there, this game itself, there are so many different variables to consider. 
um, and even though we're discussing about the meta, even though as much as we're trying to wrap up four sets in an episode just to figure out which one is king, there is no way to determine, at least thus far, which set necessarily is king because of all the variables within each set. And of course, there are still the Mavericks, the Legacies, which can easily mm-hmm. alter any deck um, and bring back old amazing goodness from a previous set or something. So, um, I mean, that I guess at the end of the day, uh, that's the beauty of Keyforge. It is a unique card game. And because there is no deck building in this game, there is no... Um, you get net deck then each deck is is in itself unique uh it brings this predicament of you know where we can't necessarily analyze analyze i mean we can analyze one deck but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best deck ever um and not and only one person can ever have that specific deck right um and i guess that also brings us to the uh the fact that keyforge is gives us this unique aspect into um into our discussions um and it's a lot of it is speculation at the end of the day um any set has a potential or any deck sealed environment archon um has a potential to give you the best deck ever uh and i uh for myself at least uh, i don't know if i if i speak for you guys as well this is what kind of draws me in it lets that potential And even then, um, yeah, like having any kind of amazing combination of cards can flip you win. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's very interesting. So hopefully, uh, through our last 50 minutes or so of discussion, hopefully we have spread a little bit more of our impressions of key, the Keyforge, the unique card game. Um, do you guys have anything you guys want to wrap up or like plug in uh, for the next week um, before we sign off? Uh, not too much. Just want to say, tell everyone to stay safe. Uh, hopefully you enjoy Keyforge, keep supporting the game, because I know I've been lacking on that part. Um, I do intend to keep playing, though, as much as I can. Sell, keep in the game, and definitely go back whenever we're out of this little jam that we have, all of us. So stay safe, uh, keep playing, keep doing your Keyforge things one way or the other. Just keep the game alive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. To everybody that's enjoying op- open play still, uh, being able to go to their local LGS, uh, keep it up, keep uh, enjoying the game. And for those that can't, hopefully we can fill in some of that space uh, for Keyforge content online. Um, and just for a shameless plug for myself, that deck that I was talking about earlier with the Silas. If uh, you guys want to check it out, come find me on YouTube. Uh, uh, I'm Chaos Chrono, C H A O S C H R N O. Yeah. And Josh, you got any uh, deck openings coming up or anything? Yes. So this weekend I will be completing, editing, and uploading my latest unboxing video. So check that out. YouTube is J O D O B B I, Joe Dobby. Um, if you guys are also interested in learning a little bit about Digimon TCG, I'm starting to do that as well. Lastly, one thing that just came to my mind is another way that you could support the game um, is to teach your friends, teach siblings, teach people that is in your social bubble and see if they are into something like this. It's a very, very casual card game to get into. You can treat it like a board game. 
So uh, yeah, give it a shot if you really like the game. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, once again, we are Team ESP. Uh, for any, um, just say hi or any comments or concerns about our uh, about our podcast, feel free to give us a shout over uh, via email, uh, which is extrashards at gmail.com, extrashards at gmail.com. We are now currently also co- co-currently uploading both our podcast uh on um, wherever you can find your uh, daily podcast uh, recordings, but also it's going on YouTube as well. If you want to see how we look like, uh, feel free to go over to YouTube page and uh, take a look. Uh, it's Team ESP, and our podcasts are recorded. Uh, you get to see our beautiful faces, or lack thereof, um, at least in, uh, in the future. If we do see you guys in any organized play events, you can feel free to give us a shout as well. Um, so until next week, uh, this is Entropic Swirly John signing out with the rest of Team ESP, Cyberclone Benson, Dennis the Rat, and the house always wins Josh. Extra shot, happy, please. Happy <laughs> Forging, everybody. <laughs> Bye, guys. Take care.